Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomian Temper and Temporality Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 15 The Void Ah, oh, not here again, groaned Astrid as she woke to find herself in the silver void of fog once more. To her surprise, she was able to get to her feet. The sensation of being catapulted across nothingness she'd experienced during her last visit now entirely absent. A short distance away, the professor was standing over the prone form of Raleigh, carefully pulling back one of his cuffs to reveal the metal bracelet fizzing and snapping sparks of energy. Well, well that, that can't, can't be good, good, the professor pondered before taking up the small sheet of glass she'd been tampering with in the church. No, nope, nope. she confirmed, having looked at the lights held within it. Definitely, Definitely not, not good. good. What, what is, is this place? A hushed voice asked. The professor and Astrid looked across the void to see the two Janes each looking at the silvery surroundings they had found themselves in. It was Jane Camberwell who had spoken. A, a difficult, difficult question, question to answer, answer I'm afraid, the professor said with hesitance. We're, well, nowhere, really, by your standards, although everywhere is somewhere, of course. No riddles, professor, Jane Bigwither said solemnly. You will tell me outright who Mr. Raleigh really is and explain the presence of my double here. The professor paused to consider her answer. Mr. Raleigh is in actuality a man named Ravel. He is from... Oh, you will think me quite mad, but if you have any fondness for me as your friend, you must trust that I am telling the truth. He is from the future. He lived in an age long after yours or mine or Astrid's. Both Janes remained still at this revelation, the former Mrs. Bigwither responding with a slight nod to indicate her friend should continue. You are a remarkable woman, Jane, said the professor. This is no juncture for flattery, Jane Bigwither cut in. I mean no exaggeration. Truly, I don't. You achieve wonderful things in your life, things which are talked about and celebrated long after your time is ended. And in Mr. Ravel's time, there are those who seek to steal your successes from you, to copy them and to rewrite them which he intended to achieve by making myself or Mrs. Camberwell here marry him. Yes, that's correct. I believe he intended to... Something jolted across one of the professor's synapses. How did you know her name was Camberwell? Jane Bigwither looked to her namesake. You married Mr. Samuel Camberwell in the year 1802 and took residence in Langley Hall, she recited as though reading from a biography. Jane Camberwell's eyes widened in amazement. Your husband was lost to you, and so you became a recluse until you met Mr. Rivers. Impossible! You, you have spied upon me! Jane Camberwell stuttered. Astrid moved forward and took her hand to calm her. I see your life as clearly as if it were mine own, Jane Bigwither said quietly before looking to the professor. Why do I know that information? It is not my life, and yet I feel it. She was beginning to shake in fear. I feel the heartache! The loneliness, the anger, I feel... You must be calm, said the professor as she put a comforting arm around Jane. 
and gently placed a hand on her cheek to bring their eyes to meet. Something about the shared look brought Jane's tremors under control. Rewriting a story is no simple affair, as I'm sure you know, the professor smiled. I have dabbled in writing, but it is a private matter, Jane Camberwell interjected. You know that an ending might be written many times over in order to find the one that feels right, said the professor. Mr. Ravel has done much the same. He has copied your story time and time again to try all manner of different ways to alter it. I see them, Jane Bigwither gasped. I see them! The silvery frogs surrounding them began to alter. Golden pools of light formed and expanded. In each one was a portrait of Jane, standing with some version of Ravel. Jane, who met Mr. Radcliffe at a society ball, Jane recited, turning from one portrait to the next. Jane, who was repulsed by Mr. Richardson, but came to love him. Jane, who disobeyed her father's orders to marry a man she then left for the love of Mr. Rudge. The professor watched as some invisible force seemed to clutch at Jane, causing her to convulse. Jane Austen, who... She staggered back from the portrait she had latterly addressed, and gasped as the beaten face of Mr. Raleigh stepped through the apparition. Astrid pulled Jane Camberwell back, ready to run when the professor gave the order. Jane Austen, Raleigh snarled, who will be mine to do with as I please. He made to dive at her, but the metal band around his wrist crackled and sparked once again. In the space of a second, his clothes seemed to change, flickering between the outfits visible in the golden portraits filling the void. He sank to his knees, and the professor stood before him. It would appear our Janes have short-circuited your nexus, Mr. Raleigh, she said cheerily. Actually, do you mind if we drop the pretense? Mr. Ravel will do just as well. I will not be ruined, he panted as the metal band fizzed more fiercely. The professor took out the glass device she had stolen from the nexus suite. Always keep a spare, she chimed. I had planned to undo your handiwork myself. But by the looks of this little map of your interference, oh, I'd say the job was done. See for yourself. She held the device up to his face, showing him the map of the Nexus as each of the golden bubbles of reality expanded, warping and shifting and drowning out the threads of purple energy holding them in place. The web was disintegrating. All of them expanding to occupy the same place in time, the professor observed turning the device around so that she could watch the delicate plan come undone. Your web's beginning to unravel, Mr. Ravel. You were right about Mrs. Big Wither being your best opportunity for success. Her story seems to be the one subsuming all of the others. In fact, if this little gizmo is working correctly... One of the golden portraits shimmered and began to expand towards them, changing from a circle to a sphere. Here it is. Jane Bigwither stepped back beside Astrid and Jane Camberwell, who felt a tremor ripple through her veins. Astrid? Astrid, I... I feel faint, she breathed. Astrid gasped as her friend began to fade from view, as though consumed by the now golden mist. Jane! Astrid cried, and reached out to take her hand, only for her own to pass through the faltering image. Professor, do something! I can't. I'm so sorry, Astrid. But she was never meant to be. He's killing her! I suspect, young Astrid, Jane Camberwell said with the calmness of realisation, that I was never truly alive. Though, I must say, it felt quite wonderful. 
so thrilling, so sad, so bright. I thank you for sharing some part of it with me. She looked Astrid in the eye, and then closed her own, fading from view. Astrid watched the empty space for a moment, and then, with a fierce bellow of rage, threw herself upon Ravel, thumping his chest and striking him across the face. The professor leapt over to them and pulled her back as Ravel staggered on the spot, his glitching appearance becoming more and more unstable. Go, Go, the professor ordered. Take Take Jane Jane back back to her version of reality. reality. I remember her, Jane frowned, sensing something had changed within her. Jane Jane Camberwell, Camberwell. she She isn't gone. gone. I can can still still feel feel everything. everything. What What about about you? Astrid barked at the professor, her anger still beating in her ears. I'll I'll follow you, you, said the professor. Now Now go! go. Astrid gave Ravel one last glare, then took Jane by the arm and they leapt into the ever-expanding orb of light. What What now then, Professor? Professor. Ravel rasped after they watched the two women disappear. Well Well, now, now, dear heart, I have no reason to bridle my temper, she said simply, and then struck him hard across the face. He tumbled off balance and flinched in pain as his wrist strap exploded and seared into his skin. The professor stepped forward and grabbed him by the front of his tunic. I gave you my word, Mr. Ravel, and I keep my promises. She wrenched him towards her, and in an instant the golden fog was gone. They were standing in the Nexus suite. The patterned walls were pulsing a violent red. The control panels were blaring warnings, and an alarm was sounding. Nexus unstable. Disintegration imminent, warned the computer. The professor stood before the throne, the real Ravel struggling in her grasp. The thread of purple light extending from his skull was sparking violently. Abandon simulation, the computer warned. Evacuate the Nexus suite. You interfering parasite! Ravel screamed. He tore himself from the professor's grasp and grabbed hold of her. They struggled, staggering back and forth as the alarm sounded louder and the computer's warnings repeated. Finally. Ravel threw the professor back, and she teetered over the edge of the sunken platform, about to fall into the malfunctioning nexus. Ravel made a dash for the exit, but the professor regained her balance and rushed after him. When he held out his palm to activate the door controls, she grabbed his wrist and drew it away from the wall. Then she thrust it back, smashing it into the panel and destroying the controls. Ravel roared in pain, and wrenched his hand free, striking the professor in the same movement. The effort drained him, and he collapsed to the floor. Final disintegration in ten, the computer warned. I can't say it's been a pleasure, Mr. Ravel, the professor sighed. You've doomed us both now, you witless tamperer. Either we burn here or rot in 1804. Nine. I think I'll take my chances, said the professor, though I must take a souvenir with me before I go. Eight. She leapt up onto the throne and gazed at the purple web of energy which had powered the Nexus. Seven. Wait, Ravel rasped. You travel in time. You must have a capsule, a machine. You, you can get out of there. Six. Once history is restored, indeed I can, she answered, then reached into the web and extracted the large glass coin at its centre and placed it into one of her pockets. Five. She jumped down from the throne and walked towards the Nexus, which was now a single gold sphere expanding to fill the room. Within it, she could see Jane and Astrid waiting for her. Four. No! 
Ravel cried, the last of his energy faltering. I'm an editor. I can change things. And I've seen into your mind, Professor Chronomier. Three. Isn't there a story you'd like to change? Someone you'd do anything to save? Two. For a moment the colour drained from the professor's face, and a tear formed in her eye. With a final look of contempt, she reached up and tugged at the brim of her hat. Goodbye, Mr. Ravel. One. She turned, stepped forward, and disappeared into history. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier Temper and Temporality An Unbound Theatre Production Written by Dario Knight And performed by Erica Sanderson With music by Kevin MacLeod Thank you.